My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking about the critics. I wanted to let you know that on Apple Podcasts, there are 99 reviews for transgender woman talking, which is absolutely stunning and amazing. And I'm so grateful for your support and feedback and your kind words along the way. Um, Oh, look, I'm just looking now. And there's actually 100. Now I was going to say, hey, this is your chance to be review number 100, but somebody already grabbed it. Well, let me tell you, you could be review number 101 uh, going forward, but I just wanted to say thanks for your ongoing support, for your emails, for uh, your encouragement and affirmation along the way. It means a great deal to me to know that the work that I'm doing here is valued and that it means something to folks out there. Of course, it means something to me, but the fact that it's somehow benefiting your life or the people's lives that you know, whether you're cis or trans, I, uh, it just, it feels good to know that. So thank you. I wanted to read uh, a couple of reviews, one from Snormal, S-N-O-R-M-A-L, Snormal, which was given at the end of January. Great podcast. I really enjoy this podcast. I'm a cisgender human sexuality and gender studies teacher, and I really appreciate getting a personal education through your experiences. Thank you for all the work that you do. Well, thank you, and thank you for the work that you do. I think that uh, education about sexuality is so important for every single one of us. I think the more that we know about our bodies and about how sex works and about how to participate it in ways that are, are participate in it in ways that are life giving, is just incredibly important. So thank you for the work you're doing, uh, as well. Uh, there's another review from Capo e Capo Capo e Capo One X Two Capo e Capo I. I don't even know. I can't even... Kapoi, kapoi? I don't know. It, this might be in a language that's not English. Anyway, Am I Transgender is what they say in their review from February 9. I have listened to all of your podcasts. Much of what you posit is interesting to me as a trans woman. I relate so much to the idea of wanting to wake up female, cisgender female, uh, right? Um And after many years, I've realized that I've always wanted to be a woman. I see that trans folks have all have a path to transition, but ultimately it does involve self-realization or knowledge that impacts our trans identity. I can only speak from my individual journey, but I find comfort knowing that transition happens for others and we are not living a lie. Hugs, Billy from Texas. Billy, thank you so much for your review and for writing in, and I'm, I'm grateful that my little sliver of the world, the work that I'm doing has been helpful and meaningful to you. Thanks for reaching out. And yes, I I feel like part of what you highlight is that transition looks different for every single one of us. And we are on a journey of understanding ourselves and also uh, reducing suffering uh, when it's possible and being true. So uh, thanks for writing in. I also got a recent Uh, review that was vile. And uh, it was from uh, someone out there. uh, And they rated the show one and then gave a nasty review. 
want to be viewed as just a female yet take any chance to self-label trans female. It's a shame that full-grown, productive, honest, and hardworking adult people have been psyoped this severely. There's a lot of misspellings and kind of poor grammar, but I say this with peace and love. It doesn't sound like a good friend that there's a lot of peace and love there. It hurts my soul that governing forces encouraging people to transition are mocking these people, tricking, deceiving, and encouraging innocent people to take part in this in a psychic humiliation ritual. Yet they see, yet they smile in their faces and deceive them to think that everyone hates them. Our government is pure evil, and I wish the majority of trans people understood that. Really fascinating comment. Uh, you know, like, there's a part of me that feels like this is a step forward because the, the belief being presented here is that there are people who are forcing trans people to transition or who are telling them that they need to transition and that those people are actually the deceivers, not the trans people themselves. And so, like, you know, maybe that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> Usually the trans people are seen as the evil one. Uh, but, I, you know, I I just hope for you, Chuck Dumpster, that was the name that was listed. I just, I hope for you, Chuck Dumpster, that you are able to find love for yourself and for others I hope that you are able to embrace the messy, confusing, divergent, uh, dialectical, to borrow a word from therapy, reality that we live in. We don't live in a reality that has these harsh black and whites. We live in a reality that is messy and gray and, yes, sometimes scary. And so I hope for you courage that you might be able to face the truth of the world that we live in and to uh, first love yourself and hopefully to find a way to love others. And um, I love to see that you have a little bit of empathy for trans people along the way. So there you go. Um, And honestly, folks, uh, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit today in today's show, responding to criticism. Now, I'm recording this program on Wednesday, February 21, and what's heavy on my heart right now is Nex Benedict, a non-binary child who was murdered by their classmates in Oklahoma, and it's a story that is being uh, learned about now uh, this week, two weeks after their death, actually, and we as a community have been told the story and we're horrified and I know that in my city uh, there's going to be a vigil being held in town uh, at the end of the week and I hope to be able to be present for that and I know a lot of different people who either are non-binary or who are trans or who have uh, gender expansive people in their families or who love folks who are gender expansive and it's gutting to hear a story like this and it's infuriating for many of us too because we see the clear pipeline and connection between rhetoric and law and outcomes such as this 
And it's also mind-alteratingly frustrating to think about the fact that our culture also is trying to systematically gaslight us into not knowing what we know about this. The fact that this, that Nex's death was preventable and in all likelihood a hate crime and the fact that there are folks who are saying, no, 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 this is a one-off, this is incident. It's, it's just agonizing. And I just, I wish next that they might rest in peace and rest in power. And I offer my condolences to their family, who sounds like there was some acceptance going on, or at least some awareness of the suffering that they went through as a trans person. And uh, for all of those who loved Next, uh, I offer my condolences. I may come back on the show in future episodes and talk a little more about Next and their story and maybe about violence and trans people in general. Um, Today, my plan is to talk about responding to criticism. And, you know, I just read that disgusting review from Chuck Dumpster. And I have noticed actually on the podcast on the Apple feed uh, that there have been a number of uh, homophobic haters, transphobic haters who have issued one star ratings. So uh, it does really mean something to me if you're able to go on and to counteract that with your own rating. Uh, It makes me feel like that, you know, the the hateful people are not just going to like you know, take over. Same thing, honestly, on Spotify. Although in Spotify, it doesn't seem like folks have really found it or like the haters have found it as much. On Spotify, I have 4.9 stars um, out of 69 total. So it's a better it's a better ratio. But in any case, it means something to me. So thanks for doing that. But um, <clears throat> I also think about a recent episode that happened just a few days ago. I stayed late for work. I work at a community center in Palm Springs and I went across the street after work. It was late by the time I was done and I hadn't brought any food. And so I ran across the street. There's a Denny's directly across the street, 24 hours. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some pancakes and kind of finish up before I head home. So I was sitting at the counter in this Denny's eating my pancakes, minding my own business. And Uh, There were a couple of folks who uh, seemed to be possibly or probably unhoused people. Uh, They also seemed to be intoxicated on some sort of substance or chemical. I don't know which, but they came in and uh, were shouting and yelling and uh, just, you know, kind of being what people act like when they're when they're high uh and it seemed as though they were frequent flyers like the folks that worked at the restaurant knew who they were and they began by asking them politely that they either needed to you know become customers and order something or they needed to to find their way out Uh, and it eventually sort of cascaded into the workers saying, no, you have to leave, to eventually the workers calling uh, law enforcement to come and facilitate their leaving. In any case, 
during this visit, during my pancakes after work late at night, it was probably eight o'clock at night. I don't know. It was dark outside because it's the winter. And I remember these people starting to yell different kinds of slurs. Some of them were directed at the waiters of the restaurant, uh, homophobic slurs, using the F word and a number of other words like that. And and then I heard slurs directed at me. And I heard them uh, yelling things at me about my gender, misgendering me, yelling at me that I was uh, really a man and that uh, nobody, like nobody believed me kind of thing or that nobody, everybody can see through you was sort of the vibe that I was getting. And then this person came over next to me. Now, this person, the one that was the most aggressive was a rather slight of build person who who looked quite feminine and I think was probably a woman. I wouldn't want to assume their gender. But anyway, they came over close to me um, after having yelled a bunch of these things and sort of just stood behind me in a manner that I I felt was attempting to intimidate me. And I mean, I don't know if they like got intimidated by me. I probably weigh double what they weigh. I'm I'm a pretty big human being. I'm 6'1 and 260 pounds. And uh, I like, you know, my fat content has gone up, let's be honest, since transitioning. But I'm very muscular and I'm tall and I'm big. And I'm almost without a doubt, I weighed double what she weighed, maybe even more than that. And so I don't know if like she came over to intimidate me and then was like, oh God, this this woman is a lot larger than me or what, but she left right away. But I have to say that this whole experience was deeply unsettling. I looked at her and she looked at me and eventually she kind of meandered away back toward the entrance and then went out. And I found myself just, my heart was beating, my, you know, my uh, tongue, you know, I could feel my throat. It was like, there was like a big lump in my throat and I could feel my leg shaking. In fact, I can feel my leg shaking a little bit right now as I just retell the story. And, you know, I don't know if I was really in any danger. Gosh, I was in a restaurant. It was 8 o'clock at night. It wasn't 2 in the morning in an alley or something. But uh, it felt unsafe, and it felt unsettling, and it was unpleasant. And at at the very least, even if it wasn't unsafe, it was, like, rude and gross. And I think that words can be violence. And in this case, I think they were violent words that were spoken. And um, it was not a situation that I want to repeat. And it's not a situation that, frankly, I've been in really all that much. Like, I've had precious, precious few public interactions that had that energy of critique or contempt or criticism or judgment or whatever. Like for the most part, 99.9% of people that I interact with treat me with kindness and decency and gender me correctly. So this was an outlier for sure. Um, But you know, it, it left me 
sort of thinking, well, what, you know, what is the best response in a situation like that? You know, in the end, I didn't say anything. And the waiter, you know, the the staff at the restaurant had called, you know, they had made their own choice to call the police. So that wasn't even a choice that was uh, mine to make or mine to even give an opinion on. It wasn't my restaurant. They had already called. So, you know, it, it makes me think, like, how, how, should I respond when conflict comes up? And so I guess I share these two stories, one from Chunk Dumpster, this terrible review on my podcast show, and then the second interaction that happened at Denny's as sort of illustrations of, okay, so here's a couple of instances where I experienced some conflict. I experienced some negative horseshit. I experienced people being cruel assholes. And it sort of comes to my mind, like, the, the, the next question is, like, how do I do it? You know, what do I do? When do I do it? Like, like how, how do I respond? How should I? What should I even do? How should I make the decision about what should I do? And this is a question that comes up a lot in therapy when I work with people in my office. Like, we all run into conflict in our lives, whether it's uh, by the way of transphobia, by if it's by the way from strangers in our lives or our mother or our spouse or our kids or our boss or whoever it happens to be, we all come into conflict with people. And inevitably, we're going to ask ourselves the question, how should I respond to this? And so I, I just wanted to take a moment here on Transgender Woman Talking and therapize with you a little bit. We're going to therapy up the podcast and and just reflect on, you know, what and how we should respond. You know, sometimes, I, like, I've done a wide array of things. You know, like thinking about Chuck Dumpster. So, like, part of my response uh, to him was to read his vile comment uh, publicly on my podcast and then to respond with love and kindness. Now, that's in alignment with my own values. This is not a person that I know. I really don't even have, like, a big emotional charge about it. I just, you know, I wanted to do this podcast on responding to criticism, so I thought, like, it would be a good, um, it would be a good example. Um, and then clearly with the Denny's people, the Denny's lady, the, the lady who is threatening and intoxicated, um, I responded a different way, which was to ignore it. There are other situations where, you know, like on social media, I might just uh, delete a comment and block the person without saying anything at all. Uh, It really varies. And so uh, I just want to respond or I want to sort of lay out a framework that's been helpful for me in making decisions about how to respond. And I think maybe one of the most important things is to think about, like, what is the reason? Uh, You know, there are many possible reasons why someone might uh, respond uh, to critics or to criticism. There are many different reasons that we might respond. And I happen to think that a lot of times those reasons are incompatible. And at least for the purposes of this podcast, I have four different sort of categories of reasons we might respond to someone uh, when we're experiencing criticism. And a, a lot of times, like I said, these are not compatible. And so we, 
we it, it behooves us to make sense of which one or which ones are the priorities in shaping how or what we're going to do in response. Because if we try to do all of them at once, we're probably ultimately going to be inept, like it's not going to really meet the goal. Or we're going to feel so overwhelmed that we don't know what to do and maybe we'll end up in sort of a fight, flight, or freeze mentality where we just mindlessly lash out or we run away and hide um, or any other variety of sort of unhelpful things. So I think it's really important to ask ourselves the question, like, why am I going to respond to this person or not? Like, should I or should I not? Like, and if I were going to, why should I? And I think, you know, one of the most important factors, especially for folks who are queer, is the matter of safety. And I think in many ways, the metric of safety might be the most important to consider, right? Now, safety, personal safety, will not likely be the priority every time. But I think that it behooves us, as especially as queer people, or if you are in any minority community, to pay attention to safety before and if you respond to a situation. And I think that it's entirely valid for you to weigh your own safety when deciding whether or not to respond. And I don't think that you are hurting the cause or doing a bad job or being a bad friend or whatever if you choose to prioritize safety in your response or responses. It is entirely valid in and of itself. In fact, you know, in Denny's, I think in many ways what I was doing was prioritizing my safety. You know, for me, I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't know if this person had a weapon or a gun or whatever. Like, I didn't know anything that was going on. My priority was to be safe. And that um, that sort of quick internalization of, uh, of choosing my response based on my own personal safety, it led me to not say anything at all, right? So I didn't defend myself. I didn't get into a debate with her. I didn't try to educate her. I didn't try to make the wrong right or, you know, like a lot of other things that could have happened. I prioritized my safety. And there are times where you may choose to prioritize your safety and choose to do that instead of responding in a certain way. And I think I, I just want to empower you to do that or to, to feel fully um, affirmed and validated and validated in making that decision. It is right and good and okay for you to choose your own safety when you're in a situation where you're um, given the opportunity to respond to the haters or respond to criticism. It is okay. So that's one, thinking about safety. Uh, Another reason why we might respond or not uh, may have to do with our own self-respect, right? So there are times where I you know, for my own self-respect, for my own sense of self-worth, for, for my own just sense of inner dignity, I need to fucking stand up and say, no, you cannot say this to me. You can't talk to me this way. Like, 
I am going to respond out of my own self-respect. And and honestly, like sometimes when I delete people's comments and then block them, I'm doing that because I'm prioritizing my own self-respect. I'm not going to degrade myself or lower myself to going into some big, long debate with someone that has no interest in having a relationship with me, has no interest in changing their opinion. They're just a troll or they're just trying to stir up stuff or they're just trying to validate themselves or they had a fight with their spouse and they're trying to find a way to you know, deflect that going on in their lives or whatever, there are times where I attend first to my own self-respect. You know, on this show, I've talked before about an old friend of mine who was in uh, my wedding and how that friend sent me an email when I came out uh, condemning me and dismissing me and saying, you know, that we were not going to have any more contact anymore, which was fine with me based on how they responded. Um, in any case, I, I struggled actually in that moment about how I should respond to them, right? Like I had sent them my coming out letter. It was this long, heartfelt uh, piece of writing. You can read it on my website if you want to read it. It's still there. And I had put a ton of work and energy into trying to explain myself and to explain how I got to where I was. And in response to that, this person sent me this nasty diatribe of bigotry and transphobia and misunderstanding. And so I start like, what should I do? Like I, you know, they didn't stumble upon this coming out letter. I sent it to them. So how should I respond? And in the end, I chose self-respect as my priority. I responded to this person and said, dear so-and-so, I want you to know that I read your letter. Esther, send. And that's all I said. Because to me, their letter did not deserve the dignity of a response. It didn't deserve to be validated in that way. And it felt like it would be degrading for me on some level for me to debate with them about my identity. I chose my own self-respect and I disengaged. You know, some, sometimes your self-respect may lead you to engage further, you know, where you say, hey, you can't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me that way. That's not my name. Um, and that happens sometimes when, you know, when people misgender me the other day on the phone, someone said, oh yeah, I have your, you have your appointment, sir. And I said, oh, it's actually ma'am. And they said, oh, okay, no problem. They corrected themselves. And, you know, I did that for my own self-respect. Like it's, it felt like if I just let it go, it stung. It hurt me. It hurt a part of me. And so, um, so that would be the, the second metric, right? The second reason why I might respond to a hater or to criticism or to critique or to whatever, right? Um, it might be my own self-respect. So we have two so far, right? We have safety, and it might be self-respect. And you could probably already see how there might be times where those are in conflict, right? My, my, my self-respect piece is, is like driving me to respond and to shout back and to tell them to know, shut the fuck up. But my safety need might be higher 
And so it might take the priority sometimes. You could see already how we have some, you know, potential conflict. Um, a, a third metric, I think, to consider when considering, um, you know, whether or not to respond is the question of, well, this is from uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is a type of therapy that I like to practice. It's uh, called effectiveness, and essentially it says, you know, what are my goals for this given situation? What are my needs? What, what do I want and need out of this particular situation? That is what's going to be most effective. And so sometimes effectiveness or, or getting my needs met or having my objective achieved, whether that objective is justice or education or having a wrong righted or, you know, getting my money back or getting a raise or, you know, whatever it happens to be, sometimes you know, the objective, like just the tangible outcome is the most important thing. You know, if I'm having to, you know, have a confrontation with someone about, you know, something that I bought from them that was never delivered, you know, my like getting that money back might be the most important thing. It might, it might even outweigh in some ways my own self-respect. Like, you know, I might raise my voice with them or yell at them or whatever. Um, uh, you know, I, I might even, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. You know, some people might say, well, my self-respect is always at the very, very, very top. And I don't know if life always plays out exactly that way. You know, sometimes I need to act a little more aggressively than what feels normal or natural to me or what I might prefer as a person in order to get what I want and get what I need. And sometimes uh, I need to do that. You know, like, um, well, I mentioned, you know, trying to return an item. You know, I, <laughs> for me, I'm like kind of a weakling. It's funny, whenever there's a return or some kind of conflict with a with a business or whatever, I get so stressed about it. Like, I'm just pissed and furious that there was an injustice that happened. I recently had an issue come up where you know, my uh, health insurance, we had, I'd been paying the bill, but they somehow had misplaced the payment and they were saying that it wasn't paid and the account numbers were all weird. They had somehow I had gotten a second different account number. It was like just a mess and it's all worked out now. But in the, in, in the interim where I was like, you know, trying to get it sorted out. I was so stressed. And what I wanted is for my wife to just take care of it because I didn't want to have to like feel any stress about it, which she didn't do. She was like, no, this is, you're going to have to take care of it. Um, but, you know, I, I, by personality, I'd rather just avoid it altogether. Like by personality, I would just rather not. But there are some times where like, no, like I need to get this thing right. And sometimes that's the most important thing. And so that's going to dictate how and what you do to respond. It's going to, it may dictate how firmly you give a response. It may dictate how much time and energy you're going to give to a response. You know, like if it's really important to you, then this certain person uh, becomes educated about a particular issue. Now, now I'm thinking about like, you know, nasty gram messages on a message board. You know, if you really, if your objective is to educate someone, that may take some time and energy on your part for engaging in this person in conversation. That's kind of why you end up sometimes with those you know, long threads on Facebook or Instagram or Reddit where people are 
arguing their points back and forth, you know, it may be that in those instances, whether explicitly or implicitly, folks, you know, decided, look, the most important thing is that I get my need met, I get my point across, I help this person grow, that justice is met, or that they admit that they were wrong, or whatever it happens to be, that's the most important thing. And so I'm going to fight this thing all the way down the hill. So now we have three metrics, self-respect, safety, and effectiveness, or, or getting your needs met, right? So those are three like pretty wildly different motivations that might lead us uh, to respond in wildly different ways. And so being clear on the front end, being clear on the outset about which is the most important to me in this situation can really help shape my response. And, you know, at least for me, if you're anything like me, like I want to feel good walking away from it. And I think that if I'm clear about the reason why I'm responding the way I'm responding or the, the reason why I need to respond and therefore the way that I responded was was needed or justified, I feel a lot better about myself and the world. So that's uh, three. And then there's actually a fourth metric or fourth reason why I might respond and that's the relationship itself. You know, sometimes getting my needs met is less important than like in that moment at least than repairing some aspect of the relationship that's broken right there may be times where i put those needs temporarily on hold so that i can attend to that repair right uh, there might be times where i risk <laughs> this is kind of one of the the you know the mind fucks honestly like, there are times where I might risk my self-respect by exposing myself to vulnerability, or I might expose myself to the risk of um, betrayal in order to increase intimacy in a relationship. You know, I might respond in a certain way so that I might grow closer to this person, even if that means taking a risk in the moment. You know, sometimes the relationship is the most important thing, you know? And, you know, if I think back to this story about Denny's or I think back to Chuck Dumpster, you know, saying nasty things on my podcast, like, I don't know any of these people. I had no prior relationship. And so relationship was like the lowest possible thing on the totem pole for me in both of those situations. Um, but, you know, thinking back to that email, the relationship could have been important, I think that I made a judgment in that moment that it had been damaged to such a degree that, you know, responding in an email in a certain way wasn't going to restore that damage. And that, you know, when it comes to relationships, it takes two to tango or three or four or five or however many you have. It takes multiple people to engage in a relationship. And, and this person, this former friend, made it clear that they were not willing to continue the friendship if I was going to be transition, uh, transitioning. And so I, you know, I, I lowered the priority of relationship on the totem pole for that reason. You know, it was less important in that situation. And so, uh, but I think that there are times where 
attending with uh, attending to a certain conflict with a greater degree of humility or a greater degree of empathy or long suffering or a forgiving spirit or you might stick with the conversation for much longer than you might otherwise because the relationship is so important to you you know thinking back about the time when i was coming out this was the case for many of my relationships you know, like I'm thinking about my, the, the conversations that I had with my mom and my dad and my sister, um, you know, as many of my friends, you know, these were relationships that were really, really important to me. And so even though there were times when they asked questions or said things that for me at the time felt indelicate or felt insensitive or were painful in some way. It was really important for me to have long-suffering and to stay in connection and in dialogue with them about that because the relationship was that important. And so I lowered my sense of, you know, my sense of getting my objective met. I need to be understood. I need to be, have justice achieved. I need to not be misgendered or whatever. I, I lowered some of that a little bit in order to continue on in the relationship because they were so important to me. And, you know, that that whole area does get a little messy. It's where we start talking about boundaries and codependency and things like that. Uh, you know, there's, I just think there's way more there that we could talk about uh, on the program today. But Relationship is a really important metric to consider when we're deciding how and when and if to respond to the haters or the criticism in your life. Uh, And so that leaves us really with four different motives that we might consider. You know, when someone sends you a nasty gram, when someone sends you an email, when someone is being a jerk, when someone misgenders you or whatever, you're faced with a situation. How and what should I respond? And you know, this may be like really hard in the moment, but a lot of times, you know, these communications happen and then we don't respond or we have time to think about it or they come in an email or whatever and and there is time. So my invitation to you as as your, you know, podcast therapy girl uh, is to think about what are your priorities in this situation? What is the most important thing? Is it your own physical or emotional or psychological safety? Is it uh, your own sense of self-respect? Like, are you going to feel like your your own values are getting violated if you don't respond in a certain way? Are you going to feel like your own soul is going to shrivel away if you don't respond somehow? Uh, is getting your needs met? Is having the thing righted? Uh, is having the wrong fix the most important thing in this situation? Or, or is the relationship the most important? And, and the fact of the matter is, is that rarely, now, I, you know, I'm not going to say never, because there probably are some unicorn answers that can meet all of those goals every time. But, but usually, there isn't just one answer that will perfectly satisfy all those different criteria. And so I want to set you free to prioritize them accordingly. I want to set you free to make decisions that are most effective for you in a given situation. And it doesn't have to be the same every time. 
You know, it may be self-respect in one situation that's the most important. It may be relationship in another. It may be safety in another. And then it may go back to self-respect. And then it may be getting your needs met. It may bounce around from situation to situation. And that's normal. That's called being human. That's called being wise. It's called being mature. That's what it looks like. Um, and so my invitation to you, especially if you're like, you know, sort of, you know, chewing your cud and, and trying to make a decision about how you should respond to some butthole that was cruel to you, what's the most important thing to me in this moment? What are the different reasons why I might respond? And then shape your response according to those priorities. I want to say thank you so much for listening to the program. Again, my name, as always, is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking. And I love it when you send me emails and you reach out. There's a number of you who I'm in dialogue with about possible interviews, so I'm really excited about that. Hopefully, we'll be able to release some new conversations with me and other people in the coming weeks. And I'll continue to drop episodes about my life and experience as a transgender woman. I hope that this week's show is helpful to you. This whole motif and idea is so valuable to me. I really, really love it. It feels empowering and it helps me to feel more confident about how I live and move through the world. And I hope that that's the case for you as well. Um, thanks again for listening. Please leave your uh, rating or review in the show notes. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Oh, also, I am currently accepting clients. I have some openings in my schedule. So if you are in California and you're looking for a therapist, I'd love to work with you. I'm cash pay only at this time, and I work for Creative Insights Counseling you can find more information about therapy with me on my website, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Uh, but send me an email. I would love to work with you. Or if you know someone who um, needs someone who is uh, fabulous and wonderful like me, I'd love to work with them. So just reach out at any time. And again, my name indeed is L, and I'm a transgender woman talking.